1: world of sonic the
2: hedgehog a new hero arrives i am ready is there anyone stronger no tougher no funnier i do not make jokes i make warriors knuckles now streaming only on paramount plus
1: yes welcome in to the 2024 season of this week in unc baseball i'm tommy ashley that's matt clements we're sponsored by johnny t-shirt Scott Forbes with us. Scott, uh, you know, I wanted to start on a positive note, and ultimately it may be a positive note for your team, but Jake Knapp, named captain, we talked to him, I guess, three weeks ago. Great interview, great young man, and then the news comes out that he's on the shelf for the 2024 season. Just sort of walk walk us through that, how that came and and what happened with him and how's he doing, but also how's your team doing and your your pitching staff doing?
3: On well, a positive note, is game week. So we're finally going to have to be able to stop scrimmaging each other. So that's a good positive note.
1: Absolutely. Um,
3: You know, you can't skirt around something like Jake Knapp. At the end of the day, you know, it just stinks. Um, it stinks first and foremost for Jake. Uh, when you have a kid like Jake that's worked so hard um, and is a self-made guy, you know, goes to Wilmington, has to leave Wilmington because he's not good enough, goes to Virginia College in Walter State, gets better, gets better the second year. Comes here, is pretty good, but gets better, and then is slated to potentially be our Friday night starter. Uh, so the biggest the biggest concern for me was Jake right away. Like, you know, how's he going to be? Um, how's he going to handle this? Because that's hard, um, you know, when, when you work so hard and you've just been named a captain. And then number two, obviously, how's our team going to take it? Uh, you know, he's one of our leaders. Uh, A horse is a horse, you know, potentially, I thought, and our staff thought he could throw over 100 innings. That's not easy to do in college baseball. We thought Jake would be able to do that. Um, So, really, for the team is getting over the initial shock. You know, these guys are young. They move on pretty pretty quick, much much faster than we do. Um, But for me, it was more – it was really 99% concern for Jake, uh, but not surprisingly, he handled it great. He's already had surgery. He's already back. Um, he's going to wear a uniform all season, uh, so you know we've had to we've had to adjust as a team, and and uh, you know it's just hey guys have to step up, and that's just the way it goes when something like that happens.
1: Yeah, and, and I agree, it, it stinks for him. Such a good guy, such a hard worker, but now the positive stuff, like you mentioned, it is game week. You scrimmaged each other, y'all beat up on each other forever. Um, what's the mood around the locker room? It feels like it always looks like the horses are ready to get out of the stable yeah that's accurate
3: that's accurate and our guys are ready to play i told them yesterday um you know we have two wellness days today and tomorrow so we don't have class of the guys it's good timing for us they can recover get a lot of sleep we've gone really hard um practice really hard and this group practice is really hard very very competitive group too uh which is normal when you have a lot of talent but they're ready to play um you don't really know for sure what you have until you get into the, the the real season and the other uniform gets here. But I feel like we have a pretty good idea of what we have, and I'm I'm excited to watch them play and uh, you know just see how they they perform because I think they're going to perform well,
2: Coach Forbes. You discussed that you know obviously with Nap out, there's a Friday night opening spot. Can you talk about what your current plans are for the weekend rotation for pitching?
3: Yeah, there were some really hard decisions. Um, you know, we feel like we have a good idea of who our top pitchers are, and we do have some depth. this unproven depth, uh, but you know, we had this discussion. We talked. We started talking about the one and duns and basketball and the Fab Five at Michigan. The, the more I coach, the less I look at quote experience. I just look at hey, here's what we have this season. This is this team. If this gives us the best chance to win. There's no politics involved. Right. You know, it's not like sometimes in high school or or you're playing a senior because they're senior. that's just not the way it works at this level. Um, you know, so the competition has been good and we've been trying to figure out, OK, what's the best way to make this pitching staff the best top to bottom starters and bullpen? So we decided to start Folger Bo as a freshman on Friday. Uh, excited for him. Um Ben Peterson is going to start. He's, he's going to move to a starter to start the season on Saturday. And Olin Johnson, a freshman, will start on Sunday. Um, you know, we had two other freshmen really hard in the mix to start in Boston, Flannery, and DeCaro. And somebody's going to start also Tuesday against Elon. We didn't want to announce that yet because we feel like that person, you know, with weather, we want to be able to utilize whoever that is. Uh, whether or not it's Flannery whether or not it's DeCaro on the weekend. But the, both those guys are going to pitch as well. We just felt like this is how we're going to start the season, knowing that things can change, uh, but we feel really good about it. And Those two guys go in the bullpen, and obviously you have a veteran presence in the bullpen, and you have to start with guys like Matt Poston and Dalton Pence. So, uh, and there are a lot of other guys that have improved, and we're excited to see how they do.
2: Well, speaking of Folger Boaz, can you give us a scouting report on him uh, as far as, you know, what pitches he features and
3: yeah. I mean, he's a, yeah. Three pitch guy, fastball slider change. The slider is hard. It's a strikeout pitch. The change is his best pitch analytically. You know, these days you have all the numbers, um, but he's got a good fastball. He's got a great delivery. He's a big physical kid. Um, he keeps getting better. He's going to hold his velocity for the most part. He can start out maybe, He's going to have some adrenaline, so he might throw the first one to the backstop. Who knows? But it could be as high as 95, you know, but he's going to settle in there probably 91, 92, pitch at that and hold it. Can reach back for a three and a four if he needs it. Um, very athletic high school quarterback. Uh, has really shown so far in the preseason and in the fall that he can he can go deep potentially in the games and can serve his pitches.
1: Coach, when when you talk about, what you mentioned earlier about the best guys are going to play regardless of class, but how important is it to have some experience, especially in the bullpen? You got Dalton, you got Post, and you got all those guys to guys that sort of been in the fire in that role versus yeah. maybe a starter. Cause you, you can survive. Correct me if I'm wrong. You can somewhat survive a shaky start. You can't survive bad pins consistently. Yeah. Just sort of speak to the experience factor there in the pen for you guys.
3: Yeah, you know, I I think that that's so valuable because when you have done it, you have done it, and you've done it at a high level. Matt Poston and Dalton Pence, and, you know, I told you guys where I messed up with Dalton Pence is when he didn't get the save at ECU. We didn't pitch him enough right after that because he's one of our best arms. I think Dalton could be a weekend starter. um, But for this team, we're going to start with him being our closer. But Matt Poston could also close, but they both recover great. And we even thought about adding Peterson. And it, Peterson could end up being there, too, and having that, that third guy. But we also have some other third guys that we like. And Pete's a big physical kid that uh, we worked as a starter and we wanted to see if that could be a possibility. And he's passed every test with that. But they're, you're dead on, Tommy. You know, it gives you – you feel good about that. You feel good about, hey, those two guys, not only do they have good stuff, but they pitched in regionals, AC, big ACC games, and, and they both finished well and they've got good stuff, so they have weapons.
1: We'll ask you about walk-up music later, but Ben Peterson got on my radar when he's pulling Blackberry Smoke out. Love that Oh, stuff. yeah. That I'm really
3: excited about watching Ben. Ben is – if there's a guy that deserves to have a great season, coming back, not signing professionally, big, physical, I think he can do both for us, um, start and relieve. But uh, we just decided, hey, you know, we'll put that older guy to sandwich him between those two freshmen.
1: Yeah, and again, it's good to have some experience in there. And you're right. I mean, he's a physical specimen. We'll see how it shakes out. You've got all these freshman arms. Um, a lot of people said, no way they start a freshman. Dave Nathan and I were talking, um, and Dave does better research than I do. I don't think a true freshman has started for Carolina since on day one since maybe 98. So, So setting some records here. But you got to do it right because you got 14 or however many fresh arms. I mean, you know,
3: we maybe we because we've returned such a such a, you know, such great pitchers. I don't know, or you know, maybe maybe we should have. You don't know, you know. uh, Coach Fox and I talk back, and we look back all the time. um, And you want kids to gain confidence, but you also kind of know, okay, you know. But it's just like the way I look at it is, if we have. You know, a great point guard like we do in, in basketball, Rome out there. So we're going to do the same thing.
1: Yeah, let's look in. We're talking with Scott Forbes this week in UNC baseball. Wagner, Friday, four o'clock in Bosch, coach the infield. So a lot of different, well, not a ton of different um, organizations of it in the fall. Parks Harbor certainly a big role. Alex Madera, big role. Jackson Vanderbrake and all. I guess that's probably the second biggest question is, how are you going to work the infield given the talent and the depth and the competitiveness that you've had um, with this roster since they all got on campus?
3: Well, you know, you have to play defense. So we're not going to put anybody out there that prevents us from playing defense at a really high level. So, but you start, you know, you can start with Parks Harbor. I have no problem starting with Parks Harbor. He's not coming off the field. You know, he, he's, he's arguably one of our best hitters, one of the best hitters in the country. So it's a matter of where is Parks Harbor going to play, um, and I would prefer not to DH Park Harbor, Parks Harbor because he can defend as well. It looks like most likely he'll start the season at first base. Um, he can also play third, which really helps us lineup-wise if we decide to put a different person in the lineup and gives us some flexibility. Um, because if he could only DH, it wouldn't give us as much, as much flexibility. Um, And that puts, you know, potentially Vanderbreak over at third, or Johnny Castagnazzi, or even an Elliot Dix, three guys that have really played well in the preseason. Um, Two that return with a lot of experience here, and then Elliot Dix was a great player at Longwood. So, um, you know, Parks will play first base for sure, and we feel great about our middle infield. Um, You know, you got Madera and Colby; they're both in there together. It could be the country's best middle infield defensively, and I think they're going to be in there together some, especially late in games. Then the tough decision is who do you play at short and who do you play at second. So we've been working that really hard in these last couple of scrimmages, having them flip spots because if they're the same at short, but one's just much better at second, which can be the case, you'll you'll do that. But you know we'll figure, we we feel like we're we're on top of that. Um, you know, honestly, second base, we played Casey Cook there a ton. He's shown he can do it, which gives us more flexibility, um, you know, gives us some flexibility to move Vanderbreak to third, because we know Vandy can play second base. And then a freshman, Gavin Gallagher, you know, if we played today, which were pretty close, he would be playing second base, and Casey would go to left, because Gavin's really, he's a heck of a player. He's a freshman, but he's pretty dang good, and he's got tools, and he hit the ball of the park, and he can defend, and he runs. Um, so, you know, we played today. I would say Harbor at first, Gavin at second, Madera at short, you know, Colby's right there with him. And Vanderbreak at third. With Luke Stevenson catching.
2: Can you elaborate on what Madera brings to the table? Obviously, the Diamond Heels haven't had a chance to see what he what he brings as far as his range and his arm and his bat. So can you kind of give what you've seen from him that yeah, brings it absolutely. to the level um,
3: you know, I was surprised how good he was defensively. I thought the gap would be bigger between him and Colby, because Colby's probably the best defensive shortstop in our league. Um, and the gap's not that big. Colby's probably a tick, maybe a tick ahead of him, just because he's that gifted. But Madera's not far behind him. Um, what Madera brings is the, the combination of you know, number one, he's a left-handed hitter that really knows the zone and he can run. Um, and he's strong enough, being older, that he can hit a double. You know, he's not going to hit 15 home runs, but he could hit a couple. Um, you know, so and he's a headsy player. He's played shortstop a long time. He also can move and play second base, but that speed factor is important if it's at the top or if it's at the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's where it comes in, you know, um, and and helps your offense solidify that side of it. Defensively, you know, he's just a good player, got a quick release, good glove, has range, can really turn a double plays, is good from glove to Transfer, you know, getting the ball out of his gloves as we've had here. Colby just probably has a tick more arm strength than he does.
2: And we talk about having an embarrassment of riches in the infield. It goes without saying that the Diamond Heels are are loaded for bear in the outfield. You know, with with Vance in center. Can you talk about Anthony D'Onofrio and what he brings to the table as <laughs> as an experienced outfielder?
3: Yeah, and um, I think he'd be playing center for every other team in the country. Um, we just happen to have the best center fielder in the country. He runs, he's got speed, he's got power with his arm and his bat. Um, you know, he's got a veteran presence because he's played. Uh, he's a fifth-year kid, but he's, his tools are real. You know, they're like, if you're here and all of a sudden you don't know who he is, if you're just scouting the game, you're like, who is this kid? He can run, he's got power, he just flicks his wrist and hit the bottom of the park. Um, so they complement each other so well. And then when casey's out there you know casey's also a really good defender and and you guys will notice when you see us in our uniforms he's he's a physical kid now you know he just keeps getting stronger and better could potentially also battle Harbor is our best just pure hitter um but i've been really impressed with how much more mature he's become that's helped him also at second base because he came in here as a second baseman lost a little bit of confidence but now he's as confident as he can be and he's played a great second base so if he's not left, we can move him to second. We've got other guys, obviously, but that's our that's our top outfield: Cook, Honeycutt, and D'Onofrio. And you got Patrick Alvarez, who's a great defender and a veteran presence. Um, and you got some other guys that can move out there if we need them to.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Patty Alvarez, certainly a guy that's produced for you. Let me ask you as far as flipping the lineup, matchup-wise. I mean. You've added a bunch of left-handed bats. You've got the defensive pieces there. How big a challenge is it to sort of to match up what you want to do versus what the other teams bring into the table? I mean, it's yeah. not always Roy Williams' style. We're going to do what we do, and then you have to deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> it, th- Those days have gone a little bit, but just yeah. how does Scott Forbes and staff do that?
3: Yeah, baseball, like you said, that is where it's unique. Um, you have to be careful. You know, some play, some guys. It doesn't. You know, they're just they're not coming out of the lineup, right? Colin Moran doesn't matter. Doesn't Ackley doesn't matter. Um, I would say Parks Harbor for me right now. It just it just doesn't matter. Uh, potentially even a guy like Luke Stevenson that could be that advanced at his age. So you have to be careful. Like okay, just because I have a right-handed hitter, this guy's left-handed, and this left-handed pitcher comes in. If he's still one of your best hitters against both lefties and righties, you're not going to make that change. But the flexibility is kind of like we were in 2018. If you have a Jackson Hesterly, a Dylan Enweiler, a Dallas Tesser, whoever, they can come off the bench in certain situations. If there's a nasty righty and Alberto is struggling and Stokely's not in the lineup or Dix is not in the lineup, there's two left-handed hitters that are pretty dang good that can match up. Or if Madera comes up in the ninth, and he's not that good against lefties or currently struggling against lefties. You got Johnny um, and other right-handed hitters, Patrick Alvarez, that you can hit, and then you can put Colby in. And you got Colby as a switch hitter. So the key is, can you hit guys in tight games or games when you're behind? And then who goes in at that position? Do you lose a ton? And that's where I think we got a chance to be fortunate. We got some legit bats off the bench and some legit pitch runners and defenders that can not make us take a step back if we do get the lead.
1: I'm going to let you talk about your culture a little bit because you mentioned a lot of guys, and you mentioned a lot of guys that played a lot last year. And I've asked you this before, and I asked the players the other day at Media Day about it. Guys like to play. If I played a ton last year, it's tough not to play a ton this year. Just sort of address that side of it because you've got a ton of talent, a ton of depth, a ton of competition, but the bottom line is only nine play at a time. Yeah, The challenge of that in and, and this day and age in college athletics.
3: Yeah, this day and age for sure. Um, but, you know, as long as I'm the head coach here, it's not going to change. Um, you do have to adapt, but one thing I'm not going to adapt to are, are guys that, are, that don't care about the team. You know, so, like, if, it, if it's more about your role or you have to be playing a perfect – a certain position or you're only going to be happy if you're a starter as a pitcher, you can go ahead and pack your bags and leave. I don't care who you are. Um, so you set that tone early, but your every team's different. And when you do have this much depth and you have some returns that can, that can, uh, maybe not be in the lineup, you know, for me, it was pretty simple right away. It's like, okay, we've had success, but we haven't reached our goals. So if we have more talent and that's going to help us reach our goals, well, as a team, that's what our, it's our number one mission is to win the national championship to get to Omaha. You know, sometimes when that is the case, and you have more talent, your role may be a little bit less, but your team performance might be better. And you're going to have to learn how to handle that and accept that. And if not, it's going to be a really struggle between me and you, number one. Um, and you want to make sure that that they understand and you, and you talk about it all the time. You know, there's nothing better than everybody working in the same direction towards something as a team you know that kind of goes away in the minor leagues until you get to the big leagues so we talk about it all the time it's part of our culture it's on every email that i've sent since i've been the head coach here Bo shim blecker's quote about the team um and no, no team's perfect right but if you're a positive culture it's understood and your standards are where they are you know those guys pretty much know like okay the one thing i don't have any choice with here at North Carolina is my attitude my effort like those two things if I don't have those right I'm not going to make it here and you made that clear and then that kind of goes around you have to trust your leaders to also incorporate that
2: well coach one of the things I thought was really really interesting is seeing uh, Brandon Riley coming back to be an undergraduate assistant (laughs) I personally love seeing students come back to get their degree and get a chance to help out around the Can you talk about what his role is going to be and how important is it having him do that with the uh, with Coach Howell becoming the director of pitching performance?
3: B. Riley's awesome. Like, you know, I love him. I've just been giving him a hard time because he was such a fiery player. I said, All right, don't get thrown out the first weekend. You know, you can't you can't get too fired up. But he's working with our outfielders, always with our hitters, with Coach Bicky. He'll position our outfielders in the game. He'll coach first base. Coach Howell's transition transition just with the pitchers. He'll be in the bullpen once the bullpen gets going in a game, kind of like you see in the big leagues. Um and Pete Riley's serious about this coaching thing. So he's in every coach's meeting. Um, it's what he wants to do. I can see how passionate he is about it. Um, so he's in our meetings. I ask him their his thoughts about the lineup, just like I do coach where's Vicky's. Um, but that's that's a neat thing. You know, one thing we're proud about our program is guys love coming back. They love being here. Uh, KD, Kyle Datris, and, and Horvath, Shreddy, um, all these guys. Even a former player like Bryce, a former commit like Bryce Wilson, does all this training here. Uh, so there's a lot that goes on underneath here that people don't see that's pretty cool. Um, but to have B. Riley back is, is neat. And, and he's also a guy that was on an Omaha team, uh, on, on a team that lost a heartbreaker at home to Davison and the next year found a way to get to Omaha in 2018. So the guys respect him immediately.
1: Gonna let Scott Forbes get out of here in just one second. Um, stick around though for an explanation of the Dugout Club uh, after Forbes departs. But Scott, give me your walk-up music if you're if you're the guy. W- what do we need to hear when Scott Forbes is going to the mound? And tell us a little bit about the Dugout Club from your perspective.
3: I mean, for sure it would be country, and I would probably be earned it by Larry Fleet would be the walk-up because it's. You Know, I like his all of his music, but I, I wouldn't go slow. Some of my favorite songs are as slow, slow songs. uh, so I'm not gonna go with that, but I, I like the song Earned It. Um, there are a couple other ones that I really like, so I'd probably do that, or maybe you know, switch it up. Maybe on a if, if I was struggling, I'd probably go to something like it got the crowd standing up, maybe some ACDC or some Old Rush, Tom Sawyer, something like that. What was the other question you said?
1: The Dugout Club. You guys oh, announced yeah. it a couple of weeks ago. And, and I speak, I'm i going to speak with Jip Roberts with the Rams Club after we're done. But just sort of explain the necessity for the Dugout Club and what it means for your program.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of necessities now. The landscape has changed. Um, and I talked about this at the first pay, first pitch banquet. You know, it's all how you look at things. And I was brought up, fortunately, in a family that wasn't allowed to be negative. My dad didn't have any of it. My mom didn't have any of it. So when all this started with the transfer portal, NIL, you know, I kind of thought, like, okay, we, we, we have to adapt. And we have to recognize, like, it's not changing. So we can all complain about it all we want to and then get beat, or we can do something about it. You know, so the biggest things we have to address here are obviously NIL. We want to raise money because we're already you know, behind the eight ball with baseball, we have 11.7 scholarships. And we have guys like Vance Honeycutt that could be the first overall pick that are paying a lot of money to go to school here, you know, and and baseball players should not be paying a lot of money. So I, I look at NIL for us as a positive, but combined with that, you know, our endowment needs to continue to grow so we can treat our guys when they get here like the program that we have, one of the top programs in the country, with travel, with food, with nutrition, keeping the facility, um, upgrade, you know, this, this facility looks unbelievably, but it takes, you know, unbelievable. It takes a lot of work, you know, little things cost money. Um, and we we've, we've recognized that we need to grow our endowment. So we can, you know, if we need to charter a flight to Notre Dame, cause it's impossible to get in there commercial and not arrive at 3. A.M. to play a weekend series and then get back at 3. A.M. and play two midweek games. We need to try to get there because if you look at the top twenty teams in the country that we're competing against, that we've done just as much, you know, win-loss wise except won a national championship, you know, their endowment and their budgets are bigger. And this is a way for us through the dugout club to, to get our budget, supplement our budget so we can we can, you know, treat our guys like they deserve to be treated when they get here.
1: A Lot of moving parts in college athletics, specifically college baseball. <laughs> Scott Forbes, you are the manager of all of that. It's it's not just coaching anymore, it's managing everything else and it's a, an interesting thing, an interesting dynamic to watch guys in your position go through. Appreciate your time. It's a yeah, busy absolutely. week. Game week, Carolina and the Bosch on Friday at four o'clock against Wagner. Fold your bow ass. Starting pitching. It's gonna be an interesting one, folks. Might be a little chilly, might be a little hot.
3: Yeah, I just appreciate y'all too. Like baseball's yeah. grown, man. I love this stuff. Like yeah. you know, we play so many games, but getting on here Monday and talking about our team and I'm getting ready, to, we're getting ready to have a meeting today and I'm just gonna remind them like don't miss a day. Yeah. It's yeah. one thing I've learned is yeah, you got a lot of games, don't look down the road because they're a lot of fun and you play so many practices and scrimmages and you know, now it's time to just watch these guys and Go one day at a time. So I'm excited to be with y'all next Monday. Hopefully it'll be good, right? Either way, I'll 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 make it
1: good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you, Coach. On, on the wall downstairs, don't count the days; make the days count.
3: That's the truth.
1: Uh-huh. That is the motto of the day. the The word for the week here with yes, Scott sir. Forbes. Appreciate it, Matt. Appreciate yes, it, Johnny. Right. T-shirt and right. congruity. We'll talk to you again next week. Stay tuned for Jip Roberts with the Rams Club. Thanks, See you guys. This weekend. Thank you, thank you, guys. Yep. And welcome back. I wanted to I mentioned with Coach Forbes earlier, I wanted to talk about the dugout club. And to do that, I've brought in Jip Richards with the Rams Club. The dugout clubs uh, was announced earlier. We saw the social media from Scott Forbes and from Go Heels and all that. Jip, I brought you here to help me understand, but also to help the North Carolina fan base understand what the dugout club is, what the dugout club is not, and how it can help North Carolina baseball. Appreciate you coming in. Just right out of the gate, um, sort of explain the need for the dugout club, what it is, and what the need is.
0: Yeah. So, well, thanks for having me, Tommy. Excited to be here. Um, the dugout club is going directly to raise money for the Carolina baseball operating endowment. So, every one of our 28 sport programs has their own operating endowment. Um, some have been invested in more than others over the years, and uh, basically, the principle of that, you know, for for Carolina baseball, there's currently is two point six million dollars, and so the principle of that, um, about four to five percent, is spun off each year to to help Coach Forbes with his any additional expenses that that his budget isn't able to cover. So currently, he's getting about a hundred thousand dollars a year um, towards towards program expenses from his operating endowment, but I think there's a, a lot of room for growth on that. Uh, it's actually. The baseball operating endowment is the 11th highest of our 21 different operating endowments. So I think there's a ton of room for growth there. And uh, there's certainly a need as we think about where where Carolina's baseball budget stacks up with some of the schools they're competing against and and how we can uh, continue to grow that to provide more resources for for uh, Carolina baseball to try to win ACC and, and College World Series.
1: And, indeed. And, and if you're watching this and, and you haven't watched Greg Barnes and me on the next level earlier last week uh, discussing the financial report for North Carolina, we were talking about the 22-23 physical year. Any numbers we talk about here with baseball will be the 21-22. Uh, but Jip, when you're looking at it, I, th- I guess the first thing that comes to mind, and everybody knows this, uh, I believe, that understands college athletics is that football and basketball drive the bus they bring in most of the money unless you're a big sec school you're not making money on just about anything else Um, we sort of discussed um, women's basketball and and their um, place in the budget there but baseball i would consider one of the big three if not one of the big four for north carolina you mentioned 11th in the operating endowments what can North Carolina fans do to understand the need for this dugout club and understand that um, the budgets are what they are, but they also shift based on who they're playing, what the schedule is, where they have to go for a regional, all those type things. It's probably a lot different for baseball in that regard as you don't know exactly what you're getting until you get there money-wise and what you need to spend. Sort of help me understand that and help us understand how it works and why why Coach Forbes and the Tar Heels or the Diamond Hills have this dugout club in addition to the Diamond Hills and in addition to the other NIL stuff that's completely separate.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, looking at uh, the 21-22 academic year, Carolina baseball's operating budget, which is basically everything except for scholarships, which the Rams club covers, um, the 11.7 scholarships and coaches' salaries. Uh so their their operating budget in 21 22 was was 1.02 million dollars. Uh, that ranks 26 in the Power Five, out of 61 schools that that play baseball, and it was sixth in the ACC. Um, and so you know we're expecting, uh, you know, ho- hoping uh, our fan base you know to to return to Omaha to win ACC championships. But financially, we're we're probably not um, competitive in that landscape with some of the, some of the schools that we're trying to uh, trying to beat. And so, you know, with 28 sports, as as you you and uh, y'all talked about last week, uh, our our budgets allocated by the athletic department can just be you know thinner than some of our competition. And so, we rely on donor support to to help bridge that gap. So basically, there's there's two ways to give directly to Carolina baseball or any of our other. Um, individual sport programs. Uh, there's a friend's account, which is current day expendable money, uh, that actually is housed with the university, not with the Rams club. Uh, and, and Carolina baseball's been as good as anybody, um, in in our sport programs at the way that they've handled that. That's what we call the diamond heels program. So, um, there's almost 400 donors every year. They raise about $200,000 annually, um, to help offset those costs in in their budget. And it's, it's kind of a well-oiled machine coach Fox, um, you know, handled that really well, and it's continued to, to churn out money. Um, they have not put as much emphasis historically on their operating endowment. So every one of our 28 sport programs has their own operating endowment housed within the Rams Club. Um, it's managed by the UNC Management Company, just like our scholarship endowment is, and most of the endowments on campus are. And of our 28 sport programs, we have about $90 million total um, in those operating endowments. And so we're we're lucky in that, you um, We've had a lot of generous donors that have built those out and, you know, the, the spinoff, the four to 5% a year is providing four plus million dollars for our 28 sport programs to help with their budget needs. Um, but, you know, baseball historically hasn't put a huge emphasis on, on that building that operating endowment. And I think that's something coach Forbes is really excited about doing. And um, I think there's a ton of room for growth. I mean, we announced this last week and we've already had, I think um, nine people sign on to, 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 uh, join the dugout club and um, a lot more express interest. So I think there's a ton of room for growth there, and and really in the long term, you know, you're you're helping the the short term budget, but you're really uh, building the long term uh, future of Carolina baseball and helping secure that foundation. That you know, the the beauty of the endowment is you you invest in it now, and then every year, one, it keeps growing with the market, but two, you know, you're going to have a, a a reliable source of income coming coming every year,
1: and. Just so folks understand, eleven point seven scholarships on baseball, which is nothing, uh, for forty players on a roster. But when you think about eleven point seven scholarships, that's still what five six hundred thousand dollars a year for just those eleven point seven. When, as an aside, if you if you take that and you go eighty five for football, think about that that financial burden. But I mean, it's not cheap to play college athletics, and that's why these type deals are important. And somebody on the message boards, and I wanted to address it, and it's one reason I had you on. This is not NIL-related. This is completely separate. Sort of explain the NIL aspect of college baseball or for North Carolina baseball, if you can, briefly, just so folks understand that it is not a covert way to get NIL for Carolina.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so any gifts that come to the Rams Club or directly to Carolina Athletics, whether that's the Friends account, you know, Diamond Heels, or to Carolina Baseball's Operating Endowment, or anything else to the Rams Club, we're not able to distribute that towards NIL. Um, that's that there there are many regulations against that. So um, for Carolina Baseball specifically, their NIL fundraising uh, goes through the NCHOF, the Hall of Fame, uh, any any types of partnerships or deals that. Uh, people want to want to help support Carolina baseball NIL. Reach out to Kevin Rice with with uh, the NCHOF. He's awesome and and can help that. Um, but yeah, they've Carolina baseball has really used it um, as you mentioned. Eleven point seven scholarships. There's there's forty people on a college baseball roster. So the vast majority of those kids are paying their way to some degree to attend Carolina, and a lot of them are from out of state. Uh, so you know you think about it, twenty five or fifty percent scholarship, um, which is pretty typical in college baseball, um, you know, if, if you're thinking full cost of attendance out of state at Carolina, 55 grand a year. So, you know, you're paying 20, 30, 40 grand to attend Carolina still. So I think that's the, the appeal of NIL for baseball is in a way you're kind of helping bridge the gap on, on, from a scholarship perspective, because they're just not able to provide uh, the, the amount of scholarships that, you know, basketball or football where, Basically, every, every person on the roster is on a full ride. That's not the case with baseball. And many of our – we call equivalency sports, most of most of our sports at Carolina. Um, they're given partial scholarships because they have a limit that's established by the NCAA.
1: So, and we're talking with Jit Richards with the Rams Club about the Dugout Club, a new North Carolina initiative to raise money for the baseball team. Other programs have similar type deals. I mean, basketball – football uh, just sort of explain those and, and sort of compare and contrast where the dugout club fits and all of that
0: yeah so we've um actually i think when coach williams hired eric Montrose to um to the rams club many years ago uh, his goal was to build their operating endowment out uh so that they were you know sustainable and and on par with their competition from a budget perspective and so he started basketball started a bench the bench seat program uh probably been, I think we're on our third or fourth class in, in four-year pledges, uh, so over 12 years ago. Um, and that was kind of the the model that this um, this is uh, being tied to. And we've done similar things with women's basketball. Football has the 22 club. Women's lacrosse has the blue team. So basically, these specific um, groups of donors who are giving directly to uh, a program or to their operating endowment, and and we try to you know hopefully make them feel like they're kind of the inner circle uh, for that program where they, they get to know the coaches, they get to know the players, the student-athletes, and and build a relationship there and feel like they're they're uh, more connected to the program uh, by supporting their endowment directly, and in, in this case, uh, by supporting the dugout club.
1: So finally, and I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're crazy busy. Just sort of explain, um, you know, it's $50,000. You can spread it out over years. Explain what one gets or one receives because we know. Everybody likes to get something for something, and uh, when you when you're talking about a lot of money, folks want to get some something in return. Rare these days do people give out of the goodness of their heart? Uh, and I'm only joking, just a little bit there. But explain if if Joe Centerfielder joined the dugout club, what does he receive?
0: Yeah, great question. So yes, you're you're spot on. It's a fifty thousand dollar pledge. It's payable over five years. Uh, Like I said, it comes through the Rams Club, so you do get Rams Club points and benefits just like any other gift uh, you would make to us, but there aren't um, explicit ticket rights. It's not like you um, all of a sudden get free season tickets or something like that. Uh, for Carolina baseball through this partnership Um, so it is it is more of a philanthropic gift I mean by doing this you are supporting Carolina baseball because you believe in their mission you love the diamond heels you want them to succeed and you know that their budget uh, is is a little thin and that they can they can use the help there to be able to compete in the ACC and nationally so uh, we are going to have some cool kind of insider experiences um, and benefits so we'll do a special event every fall around a, a fall baseball scrimmage that will also coincide with a Carolina football weekend where we'll, uh, you know, be down there on the field for BP and touring the Bosch and, and having a cookout after the game with the, the players and coaches. Um, we'll have a, at least one, if not a couple, exclusive game day experiences each spring. Um, you'll get invited to the first pitch dinner. We're going to have an exclusive gear item for you um, every year as part of the dugout club. We'll have a plaque in the locker room honoring the members of the dugout club. Uh, So there are some, some cool benefits. And, and hopefully I think coach Forbes um, he's, he's all in on uh, this program and, and help, you know, he's been awesome getting to know a lot of the donors that we've brought into the fold. And um, I think, I think the donors will really appreciate building that relationship with our coaching staff, with our players um, because they're, they're, bought in on, on making this thing grow. And I think they want to, they want to build a relationship with uh, people who love Carolina baseball. And uh, it's been exciting to to see them already starting to do that.
1: Yeah. It is fascinating when I look at it, how much money it costs to do things and college athletics has just exploded. Um, And again, I recommend folks, if you're watching this and you did not listen to Greg Barnes and me on the next level last week, go check it out and listen to that. The numbers are astronomical, and folks want the best for their team, whether it's North Carolina, whether it's whatever team you pull for, especially the, the, the baseballs and the lacrosse and the soccers. Uh, this is an opportunity for you to get in the game and, and put your hard-earned money into it, but also, as Chip just explained, get some cool items out of it. Chip, I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. I know it's a busy time up there. Um, the ever-changing landscape of college athletics Baseball's right in the middle of it. And I think the dugout club is a way to sort of keep up there uh, for North Carolina.
0: Thank you, Tommy. Appreciate mm-hmm. you having us and, and highlighting this uh, initiative. And uh, looking forward to opening day next weekend.